All right, Brando, we're back for another week of The Great Dive Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. You're here with old Jamesy. And uh, bright, young, chipper Brando turning over a new leaf. Well, the, 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 uh, the sky is blue in front of me today. The, the sun is coming out. It's uh, Spring looks like it's springing into action. We got snow coming, man. Don't Are say it. Are you freaking kidding me? Welcome to March in Michigan. It's going to be nearly 60 degrees today. It's going to be 20 and snowing in two days. <laughs> well, now they're saying rain. Well, that's good. I'll take it. Oh, wait. Snow is next week. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, it's like we're living in a nightmare. I think that's a little hyperbole. I think you're exaggerating just slightly. But you know what's not a nightmare? No, I don't. Scuba diving. Scuba diving okay. is a dream. It depends on who you're diving with. <laughs> a dream come true for many, many people out there. And I've got a great story for the people today, Brando. Oh, that's awesome. It was written, it's, it's a, like a philosophical piece written, written in the mid-1960s by a guy by the name of David Gillespie. It's called Answer to a Dream. The 60s? They didn't even have philosophy back then. <laughs> They had oh. uh, horses, horse-drawn carriages, <laughs> and hippies. Hippies were the philosophers back then. Ah, what happened to them? Why aren't they back? We need them. We need them badly. Make love. <laughs> Make love, not war. This is about a, a guy's you know, perspective of jumping into the underwater world for a first time and, and how it affects him. Okay. And I think a lot of the people out there will uh, be able to associate with some of the things. Um, I, I, I tell you, a lot of it is like learning to dive back in the 60s when, you know, taking a class was a little bit more long, you know, you know the, the, the long view rather than the short, quick view, though. It reminded me of, you know, you know, a part of it when I was reading through it, it reminded me of a conversation, you know, I had with, you know, one of the guys at, at the shop who got certified back in like the early days, early seventies out of a college program, you know, where they spent like the first eight weeks, they never even had scuba gear on, you know, it was just swimming and snorkeling and watermanship and comfort in the water before they ever even got into gear. That was commercial school. You swam and swam, no gear, bastards. Right. Whereas nowadays, you know, a lot of times you, you know, you hear about people that just kind of get skirted through the watermanship just to, to get them to the class. You mean the 20 minute dead man float? It, it doesn't really prepare you for scuba diving. <laughs> oh, it's 10 minute. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. You can do a 10 minute tread <laughs> or float. Or you can just float don't on die. a raft. Or you can float on a raft <laughs> with a pina colada. As long as you're floating for ten minutes, you're good. You can put your swimmies on. <laughs> you can sit with your feet in the pool for twenty minutes. Congratulations, you're in the class. You're supposed to do a two hundred yard swim. Oh. Or you can just snorkel for fifteen minutes. <laughs> if, you, if you can get that done, that will. Uh... It's just not practical. We'll, They're never we'll going to be good. swimming. I, I can see the meeting. You know the board meeting, the 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 committee on educational content is. It's just not practical that two hundred yard swim. They're just never going to use it in scuba diving. So why don't we make it more 
applicable. It's not like they're it's not like they're completely in the water the whole time. <laughs> exactly. We'll just have them stick their feet in the water for 20 minutes and then a guy interjects and says, "20 minutes? Why so long?" I mean, if they're going to be rescued, they'll be rescued in the first 5 to 7 minutes. So really, 10 minutes is way more than enough. Do you remember your, your first childhood like thoughts of like before you got certified to dive like way you know years later? But you remember being a kid like childhood dreams of of scuba diving? Well, I was diving in the womb, so I can't. There's no thoughts before diving. I was diving before I was thinking. Actually, so think about that for a minute. Let your head go sw- swim in that that's, depth. Uh, now that's a deep thought. <laughs> I can remember being a kid looking at the the lake, my my grandparents' lake, and thinking like all the stuff that could be down there, you know. Because my uncle was a diver, and the guy across the the the, the lagoon there was uh, he was always out snorkeling, and I just imagined you know shipwrecks and pirate treasures and. Little did I know, years beer later, cans. it would just it would be beer, <laughs> mud, beer can, beer cans. plastic, silverware. In my fantasies as a child, I had always dreamed of someday becoming an explorer and conqueror of new lands, bringing tales of new treasure and land of unlimited potential and value to mankind. As I grew older, these dreams grew vague few and far between as the grasp of society grew tighter and tighter and demanded of me the restraints it places on all those living in its boundaries. That's what David Gillespie said back in 1965. Standing at the boat's rail, plowing across the sea toward Catalina Island, reminiscing in my childhood dreams, I realized, in fact, that was my first dive in the ocean. And the scuba certification I would be receiving today was opening up a vast, unconquered, and challenging frontier. Oh, yes, I was a little nervous, contemplating the unknown. You couldn't say my stature was that of a Napoleon sailing into battle, but going over the equipment, safety precautions, and everything my instructor had taught me was building my anxiety to get started ah the excitement of the the very first dive sounds anxious in some ways as you keep growing as a diver the you know the the, the butterflies never leave you you know as, as you keep doing bigger and better and more vast dives it's it's kind of a good feeling to to remember that there always should be a little voice in the back of your head telling you that hey this is for real you know, get in the right headspace. Okay. I concur. Yeah, I mean it's still it's still exciting for me. I think most folks that are still still diving after decades still probably feel the same way as they did on that first dive. A little bit of anticipation of a possibly a new adventure. You never know what you're gonna get, you know, it is a box of chocolates. It is a box of chocolates. Mom always said that. And sometimes there could be a poisoned chocolate in that. Well, so you got to be careful. That's the nougat ones. I hate those ones. A nice caramel. They're not all, they're not all caramel. Brando. I was going to say that. I just want caramel. I don't know why they even make those nougat ones. Who eats? 
It's like three musketeer bars. Who eats those things? When we glided into Emerald Bay and dropped anchor, I was suited up, psychologically built up and rearing to go. Unfortunately, I thought at first, it was the general procedure to don mask, fins, and snorkel and skin it for about an hour, preparing the novice in what you might call gradual steps for the ultimate dive to the bottom, which in this particular area was about 40 feet. This made it all the worse for me, skimming the surface of the crystal clear water, peering at the bottom that I would possess in an hour's time. I made several attempts to reach the bottom, trying to capture the secret of all divers, but my atmosphere-adapted lungs would not accommodate me in this new environment. The warmth of the suit the sport of the dive, and the increasing good time I was having just skinning it made me realize this was a sport well worth developing along with the scuba diving I had planned on. You know, in the olden days, you had to snorkel and skin dive before you got on scuba. That's right, Sonny. You had to snorkel, goddammit. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> Get off my boat if you can't snorkel. We had to skin it for an hour first. <laughs> Is that what they call it? But I don't think there's a, I mean, I think that's something that's it's not a bad idea of bringing back. You know, you get those uh, divers to the water and, hey, you know, just go uh, just go skin it for a bit and uh, get comfortable with the water, the darkness, the temperature, the, you know, just the the restricted vision and elements. Yeah, but do you have that much time on a charter boat? Well, that's the thing. It always comes down to time. Time and money. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a practical thing, really. No. Soon he said the hour was up. And I, filled with anxiety of the anticipated dive that had me surging with excitement of challenging this frontier, after donning scuba equipment and checking it, I flipped into the water and paddled over to the anchor line. I was to descend down the anchor line, 40 feet, where the instructor would be waiting. Then, remove my mouthpiece, replace it, clear the water out, and resume breathing. Next, pull off my mask, replace it, and clear the water out of it. A shake of the hand, and I was certified. Free to search the depths for whatever business or pleasure I saw fit. The world was new to me, and in my excitement, I was trying to take in every sight that lay before me as I glided through the kelp beds. It is odd that a feeling of tranquility should possess me, not in direct contradiction of my excitement as would be expected by those on the surface, but in collaboration with it making it the most enjoyable sport I had ever experienced. The neutral buoyancy, like suspended animation, allows complete freedom of expression that makes fulfillment of your underwater desires a manifestation of your true individualism, resulting in a peace of mind unobtainable in any other enjoyment. You either work or amuse yourself underwater. Either way, a satisfaction beyond the limits of ego soothing will possess you, 
The fact that you are challenging and exploring a vast new frontier places you in a state of mind, probably resembling that of our forefathers as they set out to conquer the West. All of this is no more than a feeling to the novice on his first dive, but a feeling this strong, even to a reasoning man, has him already planning his next dive and the particular interests he is going to follow in his underwater world. It is a world apart from a world. It demands and gives as much of your life as you feel compelled to give it. Yet you know, if you were never going to dive again, that the rewards gained by this experience is leaving a lasting impression that would do any activity possible with the human body a great justice. What is physical energy and law of self-preservation in exchange for a ticket to a challenging and vast new world? It is a small price to pay for freedom that is unobtainable in any other place on this earth. Whoa. He went pretty in-depth there. It's uh... Deep thoughts, Brandon. <laughs> I should have prefaced that that's a long paragraph. That is a long one, and it covers a lot of ground there, or a lot of water, if you will, for us divers. But I do like that description of the tranquility aspect of diving because that is what I find to be one of the big draws that people come into diving and stick with diving. If you don't have that tranquility, I think uh, usually they they end up getting out of diving if they're not at peace down there. Absolutely. You know, being confident and being at peace is certainly the game. And I like how he says in there the, you know, the work along with the freedom are, are both a challenge along with the, both a reward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, both of those aspects of, of diving and aspects of life, right? Yeah. And especially the way we play the game today of, of really bringing to light the work that's involved so that you can have the freedom. You know, back in, in these days, it was work just to go anywhere. You know, you were way overweighted. You had to be physically fit to swim because you got some compression to the suit and then you were negatively buoyant. So you were fighting that to swim from point A to point B. But you found that peace in that. Like you could move in any direction, up, down, left, right, you know, three dimensionally. I'd say their weighting was less of an issue then than it is today. I think they paid more attention to it because they didn't have the buoyancy compensators. They they were just freewheeling it. Yeah, right, right. They basically weighted like a like a skin diver would weight, you know, so that you're you know, that you've got just enough that you can get down without much struggle. But you did the work to do it all. But that's because they spent a lot of time in the water just getting comfortable. It wasn't you can, you know, draw, you know, you know, you're, you know, walking the the town street in the, the scuba location. You see the sign that says you can start scuba today. Bam, you're in a pool 15 <laughs> minutes later after you sign the liability waiver. Right. Just throw an extra 40 pounds of lead to get to the bottom of pool to rack out a bunch of skills to take you out on the discovery dive you know that you know the, the boat's going to be here in 45 minutes let's go yeah it's it's 
it's a little unnerving, I think, to the average person. I know some folks can probably get away with popping in and do the pool skills, get somewhat familiar with the equipment, and they're fully trusting the the dive staff to save their lives. You know, nothing could happen because I'm under the direct supervision of super instructor that had me in the pool 25 minutes ago or 35 minutes or, or whatever. All in that same day, boom, 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 boom. You go from landlubber to three-dimensional world swimmer underwater with life support equipment. Well, that reminds me, sir, there's actually two more places for you to initial and sign on the backside of that uh, liability yes. waiver also here. Right here, if you could just put your John mm-hmm. Hancock right. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I get it. You know, uh, you know if, if, if we don't get them, somebody else is going to get them. You mm-hmm. know, so grab them and go i mean that's that's the way they've written the program nowadays that's quantity over quality right there what you just described right which i think is why like when you talk about the 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 peace of mind and the tranquility and the confidence underwater Mm -hmm. that so many people don't have which is why you know we've been chasing you know the dropout rate for so long which really brings me to the point of you know when I was considering what to do this week, I had a couple of cool old editorials that I was thinking about doing, which were about just that, about addressing, you know, how the scuba industry was going to address the dropout rate, you know, back in the early 80s. And I was like, no, you know, we've been on such a serious talk for so many weeks. I, I just want to do something little bit more peaceful a little bit more fun but it's weird how it all in the big picture all rolls right back to that yeah well it always does i mean we get to the root of issues just examining (laughs) examining the community the industry the practices we always go to the same roots so impatience and greed and a lot of negative qualities that humans humans suffer from in in an effort to become better people but if you don't see through uh your own weaknesses you're you're going to become a victim of that impatience and greed and and go to that shop and you know go do that dive go get quote unquote certified in in a day and a half two days and uh you kind of get what you you put that amount of work in you get that amount of value out of it which is an underlying reason we have what we have is there's no value in diving when you make it so easily attainable right or the other side of that is you are told that it's so easy you know to to get you to drop your money on your gear and then then you know your false sense of tranquility you know kicks you in the face on one dive and then you go this is not as peaceful as i once thought it was i'm getting the shit scared out of me right now and then you that you're another one of the millions of quote-unquote divers with a certification card and two thousand dollars worth of equipment that's in the back of the closet you know that you never use again exactly yeah you do not have to be a genius to see the downtrend in scuba is directly attributable to uh quality quality of training and quality of of product so yeah, because um, what I see here with 
David in this story that he wrote, right, is just the, the peace and happiness of just even doing the one-hour skin dive before even going in, into scuba, just, you know, taking the time to realize, man, you're, you're in the water. There's so much amazing stuff to do and see. And, like, you and I can go out to the same old lake for the whatever <laughs> thousandth time of the same spot and have a fun, peaceful, enjoyable dive. It doesn't always have to be the glamour shot. You don't need a whale shark in every dive or... Uh... Whatever those pygmy seahorses you got to have next to you or what? You don't need something like that in every dive, Jamesy? No, not if you have yourself. And uh, you're doing Sometimes I don't you. have myself. Then what should I do? <laughs> well, then, then you better be doing a goal-oriented <laughs> dive for your logbook. You so go. you can get the T-shirt. Yeah. To follow the surge of the sea. To eye the fish in their travels. And to soar through the kelp unhindered, attunes one with nature to a degree that no poem or mountain top could ever achieve. Perhaps this is the tranquility that blends with the excitement in the world under the sea. I would think the stimulation gained in an underwater experience would make anyone want to spend as much time as possible underwater. And it's not like a cheap narcotic wearing off after the effects. It is an experience that not only exercises your potential in the world of the sea, but afterward enhances your creative potentialities in any field of endeavor by broadening your scope to the very essence of your being. <laughs> He's diving deep on this one. He's diving deep. I told you these are these are deep thoughts. <laughs> this guy could have been on the Great Dive podcast, been on the crew, permanent guest member. But uh, yeah, couldn't agree more that there's uh, an aspect of diving that makes you even more human. Even though, as humans, we're land loving, air breathing, soil stomping kind of creatures, but we get in the water and we're floating effortlessly and and breathing still in a medium that is completely different than what we're used to and what we're made for is that not an awesome thing that the thing the thing that's going to make you the most human is the most unhuman thing you could possibly do yeah because how many people i mean we look at people all day every day all throughout our world who are living and breathing they've been breathing their whole lives but they really have no idea how to really breathe They've got no appreciation for the, the exchange of gas that's occurring in their body to keep them alive all day long. Until you go underwater and you realize there's more to just walking. Like, there's, there's a, a realness to that, that the only way you can appreciate it is when you have to do it properly to stay alive. Agreed. And I think it, it puts under a, a magnifying glass all these little aspects of living that we take for granted that are really, truly miraculous. And then you, you get to, like, change your vision of, of life, period, at least for that moment. I mean, it doesn't last forever, at least for me. But in the moment, you're very appreciative for having the experience of um, just being here kind of thing. 
Yeah, you just said a minute ago that we're just ground stomping humans, right? Soil stomping. I don't, Soil stomping. Never used the word ground. <laughs> but is that not true? That once you learn, you know, a, the, a masterful art of balance and neutral buoyancy that you have a whole new appreciation of, of being near the bottom underwater that you can take, you know, when you're just walking a trail in the woods or, you know, walking through a park that you would never have a perspective of without being a diver that's found that trank that tranquil peace underwater. Concur. I concur. I mean, it's very much like a martial art, which does in many respects does a lot of the same thing, if not the exact same thing, which is turn inward and, and examine and slow things down. And uh, you kind of really s- see and feel life. And it's, uh, it's a good feeling. It's cool. It's cool. That's the, the most uh, descriptive word I can have. <laughs> I, can, I can muster up in my noggin at this crack of dawn in the morning. It's, it's cool, man. It's cool. As a philosopher, I would like to say that this sounds really <laughs> cool. That's really cool, dude. If you're a surfer philosopher, you know, you might say gnarly. If you're uh, a philosopher brought up in the age of Fonzie, as several of us were, it's cool. We might say, hey. This, in a sense, is credited to the connection between man and nature. With the severing of all worldly ties, erecting your body perpendicular with the pull of gravity and allowing your body and soul to enter the world of excitement and tranquility. The severing of worldly ties is not in any way to be connected to loneliness or the depressed feelings one might have felt with solitude or rejection met in the confusion and chaos of a normal status-seeking society. The society below water is involved in life, no matter how primitive and it does not try to evade it through fantasies. A shark is a shark, and he pretends to be nothing else. You know that you too must be yourself and nothing else, for you, yourself, are your own worst enemy in this world. And your best friend as well. It's a paradox. It is. But that's the uh, that's the philosophic nature of, of of it all, right? That's I mean that's the fun that's the fun fun philosophical story I, I I love looking at and reading and exploring the mind of and the thinking of people entering this world that I've made my life for decades now. And it does help us gain insight into. I mean, ultimately, you can only really know what's going on in your own head, and you can trust others that what they're telling you is the truth going on in their head but you don't really know so you you rely on people telling you hey this is how i felt scuba diving which i like to hear as an instructor as just a fellow diver as a human being I like to hear what's going on out there right i mean i uh i could care less that you you know paid your money and went down and, and got to do a <laughs> dive on the oriskany but but listening to how you know the dive makes you feel i i could sit and talk to somebody about just that for hours yeah what if they come up and they say yeah it was really cool <laughs> <laughs> it was cool man it was well, cool how was the dive cool it was really cool 
as opposed to the the f- existential crisis that boils up in my mind when I glide effortlessly through a medium of so much more dense fluid of wonder of wonder and wonderment really we we have to show the mint on the bottom to include the aspect of mind well see now i know you were really there and i know you were in the moment just by the way you described it when you go oh i'm just a bullshit artist it sits at the bar all day bullshitting (laughs) but yes when you say it was just, it was cool, I know like you were doing it on an ego. You didn't even want to be there. You just wanted to, you just wanted to, you know, get this, be able to, you know, sit at the same table as the big kids. I get you. But when you, when you can speak about how it affected your soul, versus saying, "Hey, you know, I was able to get a picture of the figurehead on the on the old shipwreck." That's what we need is uh, module 4.5, which would be, I know they don't do modules anymore, but module 4.5, which would cover the soul-touching aspects of scuba diving, the introspective, the actual life-changing driving force that scuba diving is. That, my friend, is why we're here. That's we are we are <laughs> chapter four, but we are the addendum to the scuba man. We've got, in fact, we've got three hundred and ten uh, amen, uh, addendums to the scuba. We're <laughs> we're slides thirty eight through forty two in the slideshow presentation. Yes, I like it. Truly, you are compelled to be nothing else. For here, there are no demands other than those placed on you by yourself. And you are accepted for your exploits as an individual, you being the judge. What further assessments could a person want than continuing stimulation in an ever-changing world that allows him expression of individualism far more satisfying than recognition from the masses, the conqueror and explorer beneath the surface of the sea, has a frontier probably surpassing any reward ever offered to man on this earth. Any activity offering a challenge this great is bound to affect our lives, whether or not we have directly become involved. And you can see that. Uh, just just turn on the uh, idiot box there. You're bound to find something that has diving in it that's being shown in an effort to share the underwater world. So... Yeah, you don't have to necessarily just be the diver. People diving has changed the world and the way we view it. So, And you have to answer for something if you're going to go underwater. It, 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 scuba wow. gives people uh, an ability a lot of times for a lot of people. You know, they've never really done anything there in their life that has really made them have to take responsibility for themselves and for the actions that they make and how it's going to affect others. But diving... Like you have to pay attention to <laughs> what you're doing, the gas that you have, the depth that you're yeah. going, where you're going, what you're doing, because you can easily kill yourself. Mm-hmm. You can easily kill others by by making mistakes. So you have to take a responsibility that for a lot of people, you know, it's the first time that they've ever experienced something like that. But let me let me also put this to you, James. Isn't that one of the draws, especially in a world where 
everything is being done for us. Everything is being made so simple. And while that's great, I mean, it is great. It's also weakening and handicapping, and it's actually robbing us of an experience in life that is rewarding. Oh, if not life itself. Thank you. Is life, and, and, and that may sound, you know, people would say that's very cynical to say that life is work. But work, effort, energy, no matter what forms of that, you know, whether it's thought, action, whatnot, but all of that is an input to receive a reward, which is what life is about, is that reward, which is valuable based on the amount of energy we put into it. So putting no energy into something <laughs> doesn't really reap that much of a, re of a reward. I mean, it may be giving you some instant gratification. For example, I eat a box of uh, Thin Mint cookies from the Girl Scouts, coincidentally, which I did this morning at the hot tub with my milk. <laughs> but it's very gratifying for the moment. Not much work involved. What's the reward? I said instant gratification. Later, I, I come to regret it. So it's it's not very valuable at all. Versus, you're sm you're smiling right now, <laughs> by the way. And, and not only are you smiling, you've got you've got I think a couple of crumbs left over in your beard there. Speaking of which, speaking of which, you know what you need to get? Public public service announcement, people. Manscaped now has beard products and is going even further. You've heard us talk about it. That new Weed Whacker 2.0, along with that Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Go ahead and tell the world. The leaders in Below the Waist Grooming are traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary grooming products, people. The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms they have all the best tools for your hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using our code TGDP for 20% off plus your free shipping. And as a beard man himself, I actually look forward to trimming my beard, making my facial hair the pride of my existence these days. I mean, the, uh, it's a perfect quaff to the a facial. Quaff, if you will, yes. How can I work quaff? But, quaff was the secret word for today, by the way. And you worked it into the conversation like a pro. Speaking of being a pro, the pro kit comes with four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care, Brando. And I know you've been using them because you are a big fan of that Manscaped beard shampoo and conditioner, the beard oil, and beard balm. You've been moisturizing away, styling, shimmering. I've been taming my unruly facial hair because if you look at a couple photos, especially in the water, if you can see past the regulator, my facial hair has a mind of its own. So it is nice to have products that keep it tame. And I get out of the water, I'm ready to go out for that post-dive cocktail and snack and uh, do some deep philosophical discussing about dives. So go get 20% off and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com, people. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, our code TGDP. Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Nice. You know, the old conquerors and explorers back in the Brando, those guys all had beards. They could have used some Manscaped. And I did like how he said that the conqueror and explorer beneath the surface of the sea had a frontier surpassing any reward offered by man. 
well, yeah, that's almost any undiscovered, I don't want to say thing or place, but anything undiscovered that you discover is a huge, I mean, that is reward in and of itself for the most part. I mean, if you discover that you have some kind of incurable disease that no one's known of, that's not a great discovery. You don't want that. <laughs> but, you're di- <laughs> but you're an explorer. But you're an explorer, and you discovered something no one knew before. Nice going. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you think back to, like, the early days of diving. Even, like, I mean, if you go back to you get in the water at the, just the dumpy old lake with a muddy muck bottom, and you're swimming around, and you find a crazy old tree that had fallen in the water or a well here's a sunken canoe that's all fallen apart or even like a couple of weeks ago i'm I'm in a place that we've been before and i mean there's i I come across six of those spotted guards just on the bottom like out of nowhere you feel kind of like whoa like like an explorer like you've just discovered something amazing that's been been there right there it doesn't have to be something completely novel and new if it's new to you in a way you know you you are a bit of a conquering explorer right i mean you you still share the same mindset right that's why we all should be in the explorers club if you ask me because you're because you're you know you're you are conquering and exploring something very unique right you're conquering and you're exploring yourself in a way that just being a human on land you've never been presented an opportunity to do for many people right yeah that's one way to look at it for sure i cannot help but think that any man playing a part it makes no difference how small will be rewarded in satisfaction of accomplishment manifesting itself altruistically throughout the development of mankind. The type of man full of zest and an unquenchable thirst for the betterment of self and mankind can utilize his vigorous stamina and search for answers by becoming an aware diver and channeling his observations of the world and the oceans to an analyzation of his finds. Then, making them known to the public, or he can offer his experience to the experts in the field, giving them another pair of eyes. It would seem a collaboration of both of these things would be the ideal means of self-satisfaction and contribution to mankind, satisfying as full a destiny as any man could hope to obtain. Is that the end of the article? Because each each paragraph I keep thinking is the end because it builds up a, cres- a crescendo there. And it's very lofty ideas and, and thoughts are going through my head. And then it's done. As I ascend <laughs> from the depths. <laughs> Here we go. I'm like, wait, there's more. This dive just keeps getting deeper and deeper. These thoughts are deeper and deeper and deeper thoughts. It's like a real dive, James, where the depths beckon. And that siren, she sounds so sweet. It's very difficult to ignore that call. Just like these paragraphs that keep going and going. And which causes me to just have more deep thoughts of my own. 
reminds me, I just start thinking of things I might discover, things I've seen, right? Things like early fly swatters, like you could find those diving. To me, an early fly swatter might be nothing more than a than a, some type of striking surface attached to a long stick, right? <laughs> so you might find something like that underwater. <laughs> That's a deep thought. That's a deep thought. <laughs> You got any deep thoughts like that, old Jamesy? I, you know, I have deep <laughs> thoughts all the time. You know, like whenever I see an old lady slip and fall on a wet sidewalk, <laughs> you know, my first instinct is to laugh. But <laughs> then I think, what if, what if I was an ant and she fell on me? <laughs> then, then it wouldn't seem quite so funny, you know? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It gets me thinking, too, because it makes me want to. You ever think about killing someone? Oh, I have. Sometimes when I feel like killing someone, I, I have to do this little trick to calm myself down. So I'll go over to the person's house and ring the doorbell. And when the person comes to the door, I'm gone. But you know what I've left on the porch? A jack-o'-lantern with a knife stuck in the side of its head with a note that says, <laughs> You. <laughs> After that, I usually feel a lot better, though. No harm done. Well, no harm has been done. That's that's a deep thought. You know, people are so quick. People are so quick to to resort to violence. They need to sit with their deep thoughts that's once right. in a while. You know, it makes me it makes me think back when I was a kid. My favorite relative was Uncle Caveman. <laughs> After school, we'd all go play in his cave, and every once in a while, he would eat one of us. It wasn't until later that I found out that Uncle Caveman was a bear. <laughs> Good old Uncle Caveman. <laughs> Uncle Caveman reminds me of my Aunt Lori. So uh, she cooked dinner for us once. And she got offended because uh, I used the word puke to describe the dinner. But to me, that's that's what her dinner tasted like. <laughs> okay. All right, we should get back to should, no more deep thoughts. We yes. should, we, these are these are deep thoughts. We should get back to, to something scuba oriented. Okay. But it does remind me of, of a thought I had one time of you know if if, if you go parachuting, yeah, and your parachute doesn't open, and your friends are all watching you fall. I think a funny gag would be to pretend you were swimming. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, deep, deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. Deep we thoughts. had to throw those in there, didn't we? As I ascend from the depths and once again joined my garrulous friends in the world of atmosphere, I was sure of one thing. Nothing could ever transcend the impression or thought-provoking experience brought on by the world of the sea. I knew as I transformed the experience to words on our trip back to the mainland that it would not be very long before I again descended the depths, sure to better my capabilities as an explorer and conqueror, fulfilling that which had once been... Just a small boy's dream. And there you have it, folks.
An Answer to a Dream by good old David F. Gillespie. 1965 that came from. It's a good year. That was a good year. Oh, a lot of greats that, born that year. A lot year. of greats were born in that year. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I thought that was a, just like a nice, interesting, philosophical look at what scuba diving can do to somebody. You know, change their life in many ways. And that was back in 1965, so 58 years ago. And I think you can use that exact article to describe somebody diving right now. Nothing's really changed in those respects or that respect. The, uh, the feeling, the draw towards diving, the feeling of diving, the rewards of diving, they're all the same. Nothing's changed, which is something you can't say about very many activities, if you will, these days. Right. And I would like to tell the people also to enjoy the journey of it. Don't be focused on you have to do the dive. Do all the diving. And, and make diving you. Speaking of journeys, reminds me back when my grandfather, he used to leave on his journey to go fishing. He liked fishing. And we used to laugh at Grandpa when he'd head off to go fishing. But we wouldn't be laughing that evening when he'd get back home with some whore he picked up in town. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> oh, well, Enjoy well, the journey, people. It, it reminds <laughs> it, it makes me think, you know, that story about Grandpa makes me think, you know, because... You're laughing, but to me, clowns aren't funny. In fact, <laughs> they're kind of scary. I've wondered where this started, and I think it goes back to the time I went to the circus, and a clown killed my dad. <laughs> oh, those are doozies. Here's something about diving you might not realize, James. This is, this is a deep thought about diving. This is a deep thought about diving. What, what most people don't realize is that large pieces of coral painted brown and attached to your skull by common wood screws can make a child look like a deer. <laughs> what do you think about that? Deep. That's a deep, <laughs> deep thought. Deep thought. You know, it, it makes me think, you know, if trees could scream, <laughs> would we be so cavalier about just cutting them down? Well, we might if they screamed all the time for no reason. <laughs> Just cut it down. Just cut it down. Deep thoughts, people. Those are some deep thoughts. Brando, should we uh, sign logbooks on these deep thoughts? Yeah, I think we probably had better. I hope our our listening audience appreciated our... our, our... <laughs> I think there's one... I see one guy still listening. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Here, let me see your logbook real quick. It reminds me, I should tell you this in the logbook. Dad always thought laughter was the best medicine, <laughs> which I guess is why several of us died of tuberculosis. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm just thinking about our ice diving. What is it, what is it that makes a complete stranger dive into an icy river to save a solid gold baby? Maybe we'll never know. <laughs> Talk to you next week, everybody. P.S. I'd rather be rich than stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd rather be rich than stupid. <laughs> okay. All right. That's a good one.
Blood, blood, 